What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Baseball is back, and fans across the country are excited. None more than our baseball analyst, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob dropped by to talk about some of the pressing issues facing baseball as it seeks to return to the field of play. There's a lot on tap for baseball and for us, so we're getting to it right now on Sports 360. Joining me today on Sports 360 is our resident baseball analyst and expert and all that good stuff, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, Jeff. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, Rob, always good to have you back. Always good to have you on to talk baseball. And as we're sitting here on Sunday, June 28th, um, we have baseball on the horizon. Um, we I can't say we have an agreement, right? But you know, the negotiations are over between Major League Baseball and the Players Union. Uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, has set a 60-game schedule and training camps. Um, players are reporting this week, July 1st. So first of all, man, how do you feel about all of that with baseball now um, officially on the horizon? I'll tell you, as a fan... I can't wait, and it's about time that we have some dates in place. We have the, the number of games that we're going to play, and we're starting to see, you know, the schedules kind of being worked out and things like that. It's exciting to know that you have baseball to look forward to after, you know, all the back and forth and the public fight between the MLBPA and the owners and all that stuff. So it's just – I'm just happy to say – you know, at least for today, I can say baseball is here. It's back, and it's starting to feel good. Like, I'm excited. I'm excited. And what do you think about 60 games? I mean, obviously, I know as, you know, being the huge baseball fan that you are, you would want more than that, more than 60 games. But what are your thoughts about 60 games and how that might play out? It'll be interesting. Um, I was kind of hoping for, you know, the halfway point. I knew we wouldn't get the 162. Um, I think the MLBPA offered 114 at one point. I knew that was too much. Um, But, you know, I was kind of hoping for somewhere between 80, 85 games, something around there. But we got 60. So, um, you know, I'm not going to complain because it's actually something. But 60 games is going to be very interesting because I feel like Right from the get, it's going to be playoff atmosphere type games because you can't have any prolonged slumps. You can't have these losing streaks because a five-game losing streak could be a 15-game losing streak, you know, in a full season. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. You're going to see a lot of teams, I think, that maybe in a long season maybe didn't have a playoff shot, maybe kind of creep in and make some noise later in this 60-game season. And I think a lot of what we're going to see too. It's teams that have these strong bullpens 
are going to prosper a little bit more, especially probably to the first half of the season, I would say. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, to see how it's going to work out with the pitching matchups and how the offense and the and the pitching is going to kind of work its way into this, I guess, summer training or spring training part two, and how they develop and going into the season and going against each other. So it's definitely going to be, I think, must-watch games every single game for these for the 60 game season you're right i mean there, there's going to be very little margin for error you, you know um getting off to a two and eight start in your first 10 games you know five and 15 in your first 20 could be you know game over right yeah. for any team that that starts out that way i mean all we have to look to right now and look back on is the Washington Nationals from last year, right? A team that I believe by the halfway point might not have even been a 500 team or was hovering around 500. And then obviously they became one of the hotter teams over the second half, rode that into the playoffs and into a World Series. Um, There's not going to be anywhere near that type of time to get your footing uh, under you. You have to come out firing and, um, so that, that part's going to be interesting, especially given that the players have never, you know, baseball players like other players are are creatures of habit and routine. Yeah. And to say that routines have been disrupted would be the understatement of the year. So how players adjust to this new, you know, way of approaching the game, having, as you said, a it's a, a summer training, right? Spring training part two. Never had that before. Um, only playing 60 games and obviously playing in the current scenario of the ongoing pandemic and all that brings, um, you know, brings a lot of variables to the table. And so, as you said, the teams that get off to a good start are going to have a significant advantage. Yeah, and one thing that I also want to point out too, a lot of these younger teams, sometimes we'll see at the beginning of the season, you know, all the headlines, oh, are these, you know, this young team, are they contenders? And then they fade off towards the, you know, midpoint, all-star game area, or or even a little bit later sometimes. I'm interested to see if some of those teams that start off hot that may not be contenders in that 162-game season, those young teams that are almost ignorant to the fact that they're in the show, if they get in there and they're hot and right away and they actually get close to making a playoff, I, I'm, I can't wait to see that. A team that I can think of is like the White Sox. You know, they added some veterans. They have some great young talent. I, would lo- I can't wait to see that team play in such a short season. Yeah, and the White Sox uh, was one of the, uh, one of the teams that um, was expected to perhaps contend given that the central is not what it used to be. Now we still got Cleveland, obviously have Minnesota. Cleveland is not the same as it, as it was, has been in recent, in recent years. Um, But you're right. I mean, Chicago is one of those teams, even Cincinnati, um, I think is, has been a team that, you know, some have said this might be the year in which they could make a step forward. But, you know, I, I think back, you know, to a few years ago where you have the Florida Marlins, for example, I guess now they're the Miami Marlins, um, would, you know, it would have a low payroll and yet they'd be 
scrappy and gritty and they would contend but not quite make it you know yeah. you're right there's always some team and, and and typically a younger team the flip side of that coin though rob is the veteran teams and you know sometimes you have veterans that you know because they're veterans they need a little time to get going yeah. right? <laughs> and yeah. time is not something that teams have in abundance right now with such an abbreviated schedule. So the combination of those young, hungry teams, as you said, who might not even know any better, but just going out there and playing and maybe getting off to a good start combined with maybe some veteran teams, some teams that were expecting to compete but get out the gate sluggishly, that could make for uh, some interesting dynamics. Yeah, and it'll be... It, that, that's another thing to watch, too, because I even look at a team like the World Series champs, the Nationals. A lot of teams come back with that World Series hangover. And obviously, you know, they lost Rendon, but they're still loaded on pitching. And their offense is still pretty good. So it, it, that'll be one team to watch that may struggle out the gate, not just because of the World Series hangover part, but also because maybe they need a little bit of time to get going. And I think the big thing is going to be starting pitching. I don't expect complete games <laughs> so early in the season. And one of the Nationals' biggest strengths is their starting pitching. So I don't expect Scherzer to go out there and throw eight innings on game one. Um, we may be looking at four innings, five innings, something that we more see uh, as bullpen games throughout the beginning of this shorter season now. So it'll be interesting to see those teams that are heavy loaded on starting pitching, maybe not have such strong bullpens, how they compete and go into the first part of the season. Yeah, all of that will be interesting to watch um, as as we get ready for hopefully will be a season that the reports right now are saying would start July 23rd or July yeah. 24th with players reporting to camp this week, July 1st. So we'll see how that goes. Um, one thing I do want to touch on, Rob, um, is and you alluded to it, and that was the negotiate the negotiations between baseball and the union, very contentious. Um, you know, it, it it dragged out over weeks, um, very publicly, and in the end, did not result in an agreement being reached. Um, but I wonder, even though now we're going into the season, and hopefully we'll have a a full sixty game season plus playoffs. I just wonder what these negotiations, as contentious as they were, as public as they were, what does that foreshadow, if anything, as we go into 2021, which will be the last year of the current CBA? Uh, it seems to me that it could be some some storm clouds on the horizon. What What do you think? Yeah, I think this is just kind of like a preview of what's to come, <laughs> to be honest. And um, it's unfortunate because the last thing you want to hear is is that kind of news when you, you know, as a fan, you, you're seeing, oh, baseball is back. But you do have to look ahead if you're someone that follows the sport, you know, on a long-term basis, you know. Um, the public fights and the going back and forth, and like you, you pointed out, they were very public very very public and that's never a good thing um especially with so much it was a lot of strong language between both sides going back at each other a lot of taking shots at each other and 
that doesn't look good when it comes to the negotiations and you're trying to negotiate the, the new CBA and, you know, bring some peace between the sides for an extended period of time. So um, I'm excited for today that we have baseball back and we have dates and all that stuff. But looking ahead, I'm very, very concerned because um, baseball might be in trouble and I'm not going to say they're going to go on a strike uh, because we're not there yet. But the negotiations to do the, to, to negotiate the new CBA, I don't think they're going to go smooth. We'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I don't think it's going to be smooth. Yeah, I mean, and look, as, as on the one hand, I think we have to have to deal with a certain reality here. That on the one hand, we have this good news of baseball being back and the anticipation of the game returning in 2020 and hopefully being able to complete this abbreviated season. But then on the other hand, you know, we, we have some other considerations that aren't so good and aren't so happy. And you say, well, why do you mm-hmm. have to bring that up? Well, it's because it's, we, we, we can't stick our heads in the sand, right? Yeah. There, there are some good things to look forward to, but there are some other things that we have to be prepared for that are going to be coming close on the heels of where we are right now. I mean, we're in July of 2020. And so, you know, it's just the reality that, that, that we're dealing with. And on that point, Rob, another reality that we have to deal with that maybe doesn't bring a lot of smiles to people's faces, but it's a reality are the safety concerns under which players, uh, the, you know, the safety conditions under which players are coming back and the concerns that they have, um, the virus has been spiking, right, in various states across the country. There's no doubt about that. And players are returning at this particular time. Uh, give us your thoughts about about that. Yeah, it's, it's a, something, like you said, that people won't want to hear, but it's the reality of our situation now. And, you know, it's not a matter of if, I believe, if players are going to test positive, I think once these players start trickling in and staff and all that other stuff, there are going to be more positive tests. And, you know, MLB is putting together plans. And I think the plans that they have in place will have room for flexibility because we don't know how many players are going to test positive once everyone is back or what's going to happen in that situation. But, you know, it is something that as fans, as people who follow the sport, you we need to be aware that, you know, there still is a pandemic. This is the reason why we only have a 60-game season, why, you know, sports are on shutdown right now. It's because of this pandemic. Um, so we can't forget that that's the reason why things are the way they are, and this is our new normal, at least for this year, hopefully. Um, so it is it is a scary thought to see that, okay, yeah, we got baseball back, but there's still a pandemic we have to deal with. There's still a lot of health concerns that, you know, players, their families, you know, there's team doctors, there's umpires, et cetera, so on and so forth. And then these guys are traveling, you know, throughout the season. So that's not just something, you know, where they're going to be stuck in one state or two states, like was talked about way back when. But, you know, these guys are traveling up and down the country playing their games. So they're at even more risk of testing positive for for COVID-19. So, um, it is something that we have to keep an eye on and be very well aware that this is the reality. You know, players are going to test positive. How is that going to affect the season? Or is the season going to be able to continue and finish? 
you know, it's a lot of questions. You know, we have certain answers, but more questions arise as a result of that. No question about it. No question. And, you know, there is a protocol in place over 100 pages. Uh, Major League Baseball, the Players Union did a great job in negotiating that and, and, you know, coming to a very comprehensive document that covers everything from soup to nuts. It's it's a daunting document when you look at it. and yet, you know, it seems like this virus is even more daunting, right? Because of what we've seen, uh, especially in states like Florida and Texas, Georgia, Arizona, and so forth, um, you know, where we've seen these spikes in, in, in recent weeks. And as you mentioned, the NBA is planning to return in the dome in Orlando. NHL is planning to have two hub cities where they will resume their season baseball even though it will have a regional schedule which will minimize travel still you're going to have players traveling from city to city state to state and in the current environment you know that would not be the preference but you know it is it's what we have and so you know players are going to show up players are going to be tested some are going to test positive that's just an unfortunate reality Players aren't immune. Um, You know, they get affected just like the general population. I mean, when you look at, for example, golf, right? I mean, we had multiple positive tests in golf, which, you know, which resulted in, you know, some some high-name players, Brooks Kepka, among others, withdrawing. Not that he has it, but his caddy tested positive. Brooks tested negative but he nevertheless withdrew from the Travelers um, tournament. Um, And so, you know, in in a sport, in an individual sport like golf, right, we we, we see testing because, again, it's just about the virus, man. This is not about, and it can happen to anyone, anywhere. And so we know it's going to happen in baseball. That's not being, you know, a Debbie Downer or a a Denny Downer, whatever you want to call it. It's just reality, (laughs) right? That that's what we're going to see. But um, again, you know, these are some of the realities we're dealing with as we also um, are excited about the game coming back. Um, let's talk a little bit about the divisions, right? This realignment um, where, you know, it'll be regional. So you would expect the Mets and the Yankees and the Nationals, among others, to be in one division and and, and you know, the Dodgers, the A's and um, Houston, I guess, would be out there in the West. But what do you think about the 10-team divisions, three 10-team divisions? I'll tell you what. I was excited when we were first hearing news about the spring training leagues kind of being the divisions at first. I was a lot, as a Yankee fan, I was very excited because I saw the teams in that division, and I said, eh, the Yankees can hold their own really well there. Maybe one or two teams, I believe, that may give them some trouble. This this schedule is a lot tougher for, for the Yankees, um, as well as for other teams, obviously. You, But I think, you know, for the pandemic situation, it's great that they're kind of limiting by regions because it limits travel. Um, but the divisions, it, it'll be fun because we'll see a lot more rivalry games, which I think fuels baseball and fuels baseball fans, even the casual fans. You know, everyone knows Yankees-Red Sox, Yankees-Mets with the Subway Series. That That brings a lot of excitement 
you know, in LA with the Dodgers and the Angels playing each other. That's fun. You know, that's what um, casual fans love to see. Everyone tunes into the rivalry games. And the fact that we'll have a lot of that, and basically that's our whole season, that brings a lot of intrigue and a lot of different types of storylines each and every series, which I think is great for the game of baseball. Well, I mean, and, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, having Yankees, Mets, and, and Yankees, Red Sox, and then you have some other good teams in, in the East, for example, you know, like with with, with Tampa uh, and the Nationals um, in there as well. Um, and so it, 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 it will provide for some nice rivalry games. It will provide, you know, for some tough matchups. I think every yeah. one of these divisions um, – would be tough. Um, but, you know, I mentioned to you before we got on that a good friend of mine, former major league player, Phil Bradley wanted me to pass along. Um, he wanted me to pass something along to you. And, you know, oh, he boy. was talking about the divisions and at least back in, at one point, you know, these regional divisions were anticipated to look like this, at least in the East, Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Nationals, Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Rays, and Marlins. And uh, Phil Bradley wanted me to pass along to you, Rob, that your Yankees still have the easiest division of the three. What are your thoughts about that? (laughs) I mean, there's potential that it could be. And I'm not saying that those teams aren't any good. But I think, you know, the Red Sox aren't going to be – I don't expect them to be that good this year. The pitching is going to – took a hit. Uh, obviously, they lost Mookie. The Rays, I think they're a very tough team. I'm actually kind of worried about the Rays because they're – on the low, they made some really good moves this offseason. season. And their pitching and their bullpen is going to be a, a strength, which I think bodes well for them in this short season. I don't know if they're the easiest division for the Yankees, but I'm, I'll say this. I'm not overly concerned about the Yankees missing the playoffs. I believe they're going to – they're a shoe-in to get in. And that's my hot take for today. But <laughs> I, I don't see it as a, as a cakewalk, but I'm not concerned. We'll put it, we'll put it that way. Okay. I mean, yeah, because, you know, you, you figure the Mets should be competitive. The Nationals, um, you know, again, they're the World Series champs. So, you know, you won't you don't want to discount them, but they're a little no. long in the tooth. Um, they have the pitching. And as you said, you know, they still have a good lineup. And so we have to consider them. But, you know, you do have the Orioles in there, the Pirates. Um, the Marlins, you know, and we were talking about, you know, who could potentially be that sleeper of a team. I'm not saying the Marlins will be, but somebody uh, in each division might emerge like that. And then, yeah. of course, you have the Phillies. Can't overlook the Phillies with Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, and, and, and the rest of those guys. Um, what about the Central, though? You know, you have the Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, Cardinals, as you would expect. But you also have the Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins. Braves and Tigers, um, perhaps, um, the Braves and Tigers. 
Tigers for sure. Um, what do you think about that division? I mean, because obviously the Braves and Twins are good teams. Indians might contend. Reds could be a sleeper. Um, and then your White Sox, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah, um, I do like I do like Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati. I actually I think I had them in the playoffs this year. Uh, but the White Sox, you touch on the White Sox. I had them in the playoffs for next year. I saw them as a team. Um, that they're they're young, but they added some veteran pieces that I like. They added some good pitching, um, but they're one of those young teams that I was talking about earlier. They may surprise a lot of people in such a short season, kind of come out on fire and just take things into the playoffs and maybe sneak in. Um, I don't think they're like World Series contenders yet. Um, maybe they're a couple years away from that, but they're a team that I would keep an eye on because. They have some young, really good talent, and Jimenez and Moncada, um, those guys are the cornerstones of that franchise right now, and I think that that's a team to watch for me. I like the, the division. You know, the Cubs, we saw them struggle a little bit last year towards the end. Um, St. Louis somehow, <laughs> I know you call them the boring team, but <laughs> 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 they're somehow always in it, regardless of who's on the roster. They're somehow always involved. But, you know, a team like the White Sox and a team like Cincinnati are two teams that I'm, I'm really looking at. And then we go out west, where, of course, the Dodgers would be the first team that many would, would, would talk about. But you also yeah. would have the Astros out there um, and the Athletics, uh, you know, two teams that were, you know, when you look at those three teams, um, you know, all were excellent last year. And then you mentioned the Angels. You'd have the Giants, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, Rockies, Rangers, and Mariners rounding out that division. Um, what do you see there? Is that is that a cake a cakewalk for the Dodgers, or you know, will they have to tangle with the Astros and 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 um, and the A's and perhaps another team? I'm looking forward to a lot of Dodgers Astros games. I'll tell you that. So that, that's going to be a storyline in itself. But um, I think the Dodgers will be fine. Um, they're, they're pretty loaded. They got Mookie. So I'm not concerned about the Dodgers at all. Um, but a team that I, and this may come as a, a little bit of a surprise to certain people, I think the Angels are going to finally get a break and put Mike Trout in the playoffs. Um, this is, I think this is kind of like their window. I think, I think Shohei Otani is going to do good this year. It's going to be a short season. I think offensively he's going to be a force. Um, hopefully Pujols, I know it's, it's, it's going to be a shock to hear this, but I think Pujols is going to have a little bit of a resurgent type season for him at, at his advanced age and all that stuff because there's going to be less games for him to play. He'll be able to you know, get some rest in here and there. I think he's going to have a good season for what, it, for what it's worth at a 60-game season. And you know, Mike Trout is Mike Trout, the best player on the planet. So I, I like, I want to see the Angels in the playoffs because I want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs and see what that team can do once they get in. But I'm not worried about the Dodgers. Um, Houston, that, that every game they play is going to be a storyline. <laughs> It'll be fun to see how players react to Houston coming back. But, I, you know, they're, they're a talented team regardless of what they did in the past. The talent speaks for itself. Um, I think they'll struggle a little bit out the gate, but they'll get it together. So I think 
Dodgers, Houston, they'll be fine. But I want to see the Angels make some noise. Yeah, I think, uh, look, I think there are many, many people, um, including folks at Major League Baseball, that would like to see Mike Trout in yeah. in the playoffs. And so that remains to be seen. But you make a very interesting point with Houston and the Dodgers and, and being in the same division. Um, and then, and again, this is going off of, uh, I was looking at a, a proposed division that went back months. Um, I'm not sure if the, if the divisions have actually been released or not. Um, but, you know, when you look at how you would have to align teams just naturally, if you're going to have some, you know, regional play, not that, you know, Texas is, is in the same region as, <laughs> as California, but that's the way it's been, right, with Texas and yeah. Houston playing in the West. Um you know, it, you know, having having multiple games between the Dodgers and the Astros could be yep. potentially exciting just on its face because of the history there, including the cheating scandal involving the Astros, um, which, you know, coming into the season was one of the bigger storylines. Um, you know, it probably, you know, I, would, I think it's fair to say it's now been overshadowed, right, by the pandemic yeah. and what we're dealing with. But once these players cross the white lines and the competitive juices start to flow, you never know, as Joaquin Andujar used to say, you never know. <laughs> and so we'll see what what will happen here um, with, 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 with these teams. Um, now, Rob, you, you made mention of pool holes and you said, you know, he'll get a chance to get some rest in. And I'm sure, you know, they'll give him some days off. But here's the thing, though. We're talking about 60 games in 66 days. Yeah. So there's not a lot of off time. And, you know, it's baseball. So that means rain and cancellations and so forth. Um, So, you know, um, I'm sure that most teams aren't going to get the full six days off because there'll be some days where they will have to make up games or have increased double headers either way you're talking about some additional demands on guys so that's going to be interesting too rob you know trying to get in 60 games in 66 days with travel with summer heat with probably you know more double headers than normal yeah and it'll be it'll be interesting because we're already talking about the um the pandemic possibly limiting certain things or limiting certain players just on that alone, and that's something that can't be controlled at all. And it's like we said earlier, it's not a matter of if, it's almost a matter of when. So rain delays, I mean, we saw a lot of rain delays for certain teams last season and how it affected them, you know, having to play 22 games in 20 days kind of thing with the doubleheader. So that is an interesting point to bring up because that can affect a lot of things, you know, for the long term in a 60-game season if a team has to do squeezing maybe two double headers, you know, in a week kind of thing. So that'll be something, you know, to look at as well. Yeah, uh, among many among many things. Um, but, you know, first things first, you know, players are showing up this week. Um, they'll go – they'll undergo their testing um, along with all the other – physical evaluations that they go through upon reporting the camp. But this year, of course, 
the testing for the virus, you know, takes front stage, right? And so we're going to be looking yeah. at that, um, take center stage, I should say, but we're going to be looking at that um, more than anything. And, you know, we likely will see, you know, as you said earlier, some positive tests coming from it, but it's a great unknown and a lot will be learned um, starting this week as we go forward. But baseball is is back. It's planning to be back. And um, hopefully, hopefully everything will go well and we'll get in a full 60. So um, uh, thanks for stopping by today, Rob, um, to, you know, talk about where we are right now. And I would anticipate that, you know, as players come into camp and we get into training and exhibition games, that they'll have a handful of those. And then the regular season, obviously, coming closely behind that, that you and I will be talking to each other quite a bit. So I look forward to that. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. And it, it feels good, at least for today, to say baseball is back. So that's the best thing I've said in a long time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it it does feel good to to know that we have the games on the horizon and even with the other sports as well. So hopefully all will go well and, you know, we'll be able to be talking real soon about the games. But until then, like I said, I think there'll be a lot of storylines coming out of Major League camps as players yeah. return. So let's make sure we stay in touch and get back on to talk about those stories as they develop. Sounds like a plan. All right, brother. Well, listen, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, Fourth of July is coming up um, next weekend, right? Um, yeah, next weekend. Yeah, so we're, we're about to uh, have the Fourth uh, of July holiday. And so if we don't speak before then, have, it, have a happy fourth. And I'm sure we'll be talking shortly after that. So take care, man, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jeff. Take care, brother. All right, you too.